This is Tim Albright with Aviation with an Aviation special, taking a look at the SCN Hall of Fame for the class of 2021. And with me is my very dear friend, Jeremy Caldera from IAS. Welcome, sir. Hello. How are you today? I am well. And congratulations on making the Hall of Fame for 2021. Uh, I do believe you are the youngest member of this class. Is that, am, I, am I incorrect in saying that? I don't feel the youngest, but I think I am the youngest based on the class. That is for sure, yes. How about this? You don't look the youngest? Does that help? That probably helps too, <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, 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 am, I am 40 this year, Tim. Oh, so. you poor thing. <laughs> I know. So I, I say that tongue-in-cheek, Jeremy is, is considerably younger than I am, but I have a full head of hair and he doesn't. So, you know, there's that. Mine's by choice mostly, though. Mostly. <laughs> I guess mine's cycling by choice too. I mean, I could shave it, but why? Well. I mean, it's it's there. Um, let, let's start this. It, it kind of like we we all uh, we started a lot of these, uh, and it's it's a fun question to ask anybody in the industry because there are roughly like three or four ways you get in the industry, right? And and historically, it's it always ends up with well, I fell into it, right? Um, but to get there to the falling into it, how did you end up in AV? So for me, it wasn't necessarily falling into it in the traditional sense that most people do it, right? Because most people we know are already in their 30s or they're older, right? Or late 20s or whatever. They were in a different industry and they discovered AV, right? In my case, yeah. it's basically straight out of college, right? Uh, I went to college specifically to design AV sy systems, right? So uh, it was one of the few programs in the country uh, that actually offered a sound system design curriculum uh, within their acoustics department at Columbia College. So uh, for me, it was it was learning that uh, and learning of that curriculum while I was at a community college, right? And a friend of mine was also going to Columbia for radio or something like that. And, and he mentioned to me that this program existed. So for me, it was, um, you know, started early, right? At the college level. And then I was hired even before I graduated for an integration firm. Uh, down in Peoria, which is how I ended up there. So, well, and let's let's chat for a second about some of your instructors there at Columbia College, right? And and we'll get to the point back that you you eventually ended up going back as an instructor yourself. But you had some pretty heavy heavy hitter your heavy hitters yourself as instructors during that program. What were some of your mentors and some of the folks that kind of helped you along the way uh, early on? I think that uh, biggest mentor for me in the class I learned the most from was Jeff Lip. Right. Yeah. He has a consulting firm out of Chicago. Jeff's a great guy. Jeff uh, had a class, um, which was sound system design one was the first one we did. It was when I discovered what a block diagram was or a 70 volt speaker system was, right? Which is probably some of the most common things we have to deal with nowadays. Um, but, you know, his class kind of taught the very fundamentals of sound system design, right? But, you know, it took into account that you know, AV design and sound system design, there's, there's science behind it, but there's an art behind it too, right? Yeah. And so for him to kind of teach that um, was kind of really eye-opening and what really drove me into the industry. Uh, you know, other than that, uh, you know, Bench Canners, Doug Jones was the department chair at the time. Uh, Doug's a great guy. Um, he's working for Danley Sound Labs now. Um, you know, there's a whole gamut of, of instructors that were just fantastic at the school and, and the program was um, second to none. Yeah, and Jeff Jeff has has a uh, has a pedigree inside the industry. I mean, his his both of his parents are have been involved in many years, and he is one of those consultants that really brings out the art 
uh, in, in AV and I've, I've gotten to know him over the last 10, 12 years. Incredible, incredible guy. Absolutely. Uh, so you got yourself down to, to kind of my old neck of the woods where I was born and raised, which is Peoria, um, home of Richard Pryor. That's the only thing we've got, right? We got Richard Pryor and we've got the Peoria Rivermen. That's it. Um, yep. Yeah, maybe. No, I don't know. That's pretty, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it anymore. Uh, cause Caterpillar left. So there you go. Um, well, cat's still here let's be honest but sort of you know there's yeah. sea levels left there's, there's, there's sea, sea levels, levels left, left. yes yeah, the boss <laughs> the boss is left um but the, the the big ginormous um museum is still in, in downtown on the riverfront so mm-hmm. um so you ended up at, at a, a place actually where you and i kind of met and i, I there, we'll tell that story in a second um it does not involve much alcohol at least um but you're working with with one of the the, the groups here in, in illinois um called ZDI and ZDI ended up, you know, they expanded outside of, of the Midwest. And, and it's one of those stories that's really, really unique, I think, because having, you know, one main office, right. Um, and then they, they did have a couple ended up with a couple here and again, still in Illinois, but you guys did work all over the country uh, and quite frankly, all over the world. Talk about, you know, being there in the middle of, of, you know, kind of the, the, the 2000s into the 2010s, when you know AV not only was getting involved in, in IT but also using you know IT as a as a mechanism to grow and, and to, quite frankly to, to you know involve your own skills. Yeah, so when I left college, I ended up at Thompson Electronics in Peoria. I was there for about nine years, and the change of pace between there and going to ZDI was drastically different. Right, yeah. I started as a sales engineer. When I moved over to ZDI, it was more of kind of like the only engineer that they had on staff, uh, along with uh, maybe one other individual. Right, I think by the time I left there, we had a team of like six or seven engineers, and we're literally, like you said, doing doing just work just everywhere. We saw monumental growth uh, over the five six years that I was there, and uh, but I can tell you, I mean, that's an experience that that is was very difficult. Um, but what I learned both from there and from the sales side when I was at Thompson Electronics is what enables me to kind of do the job that I'm doing now. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and you, that's the, one of the things that it's it kind of unique and interesting is, is, and I, it, I, I have joked with Jeremy uh, in the past that he has every award that Avixa has to offer the exception of the women in AV award. Um, <laughs> not and, quite, but close. Yeah. Well, close, <laughs> close. They don't, you, yeah. you don't have the, you don't have the, um, the, the one that they give people at the end of their career either. So you, there, there, there's two there, um, but you've been involved with, with Avixa for a number of years. And, and, and you, you know, you mentioned the fact that, that you turned 40 here, uh, this year, talk for a second about the, um, the impact and, and, and honestly, the, the kind of the, the, the way that, that Avixa has helped you grow as an AV professional and you know, the, the ways that you've been able to give back because you've been in, involved in a number of councils, you've been involved in a number of standards. Um, but so this, this kind of uh, give and take has been beneficial for both Avixa and quite frankly, the AV industry, but also for you and your, in your profession. Yeah, I, it, it was interesting. I, uh, you know, the guys at ZDI were very supportive of, uh, you know, making an impact in the industry. Right. And it was there that, you know, I started just doing a number of things, right? So I started teaching uh, CTS prep um, at the, at, you know, at Infocom in Vegas was my first one that I ever taught. And that was an interesting experience, you know? So here's this 30-year-old kid that comes in, you know, teaching these, these guys that are all, some, some cases, 40s and 50s, right? That are being required by their, by their bosses to get their CTS certification. And, 
you know, that was interesting because some didn't want to be there. Some wanted to be there. And, and here's this kid that comes in and is trying to tell them, you know, what they need to do. And they've got their 40 years of experience under their belt. Right. So um, th- that was an interesting learning curve. But then, um, you know, I seemed to find a real passion for education in AV because, as you know, um, there's an abundance of jobs and no available workforce. Right. So workforce development is, is, is a big thing. Right. So my big thing was let's let's get them early. And so I started getting involved with certification and then that's how I looped back over to Columbia. So, you know, I went into the CTS, joined the certification steering committee and ended up chairing the CTS program for a number of years. And uh, during that tenure, I uh, got brought on to Columbia to um, help develop the curriculum specifically geared towards AV design, not just audio. So we were in the audio department, but they knew there was a video and other component to that. And, um, you know, eventually got, put under the curriculum development board there and started teaching the classes there and, and uh, you know, kind of stemmed from all of that. Talk for a second. We, we mentioned that you've, you know, you've been to, you're at your third uh, stint in AV now. Now you're the, you're the boss, right? You're the, you're the head of, of IAS. What are some of the, the jobs or, or, you know, systems or, or uh, projects you've been involved in that you can talk about? And, and I all, obviously all of us have to, put that caveat in there because there are some that, that we've signed NDAs and we, we can't exactly uh, speak to, but some that you can to that you're just, you sit back and you go, you know what, that, that was, that was a crazy job or that was, you know, a hell of a job or, or it's one you can go back and go that, that is one that I will put a feather in my cap and, and I will continue on until I retire tell, talking to people about. Yeah, I, you know, there's a number of jobs because, you know, we've done everything literally from a $2,000 camera ad at a church to, um, you know, the Fortune 50 major markets, 911 centers, emergency operations centers. Um, you know, those are, the, those are the ones that I'm kind of the most proud of, right? Because there's a real impact as to, you know, a, a true daily impact in a 24-7 operation, right? Yeah. And those kind of facilities. So I, I really enjoy doing those. Um you know, the one that you and I worked on together in Manhattan back when you were doing programming, um, you know, as, as crazy of a job as that was, as you know, right? Um, it's one of the most memorable jobs, right? Because I, I don't think I've ever worked so hard in my life, right? Doing every job you could possibly do in the field, of, in the world of AV, right? Working 18 hour days, it felt like sometimes, you know, if not longer, when you'd pass out under the boardroom table, soldering a connector, right? Or yep. whatever, right? Um you know, there's, there's a lot of those. I mean, there, there really is. Um, you know, I, I, I really enjoy some of the latest technology we're putting in the OLED stuff, the LED video wall stuff. Uh, you know, I was fortunate enough earlier this year to do a, an LED wall project. And, and you got to remember as, as the designer slash sales manager slash person in charge of the company, I don't get my hands dirty anymore. And I had an opportunity where in the world of this pandemic, when I was stuck on a job site and needed to get it done, I was literally the only person who installed an 80 foot wide video wall, <laughs> you know, and had to figure it all out by myself and, and do the actual physical installation. And, and, and then finally, my programmer came up to help me get the thing launched and running. But, um, you know, that was really challenging and um, it turned out fantastic. I mean, the thing was, it just looked great. So you know, that's definitely one of the memorable ones, I think, for me in, in you know, recent months. So talk for a second. I, I do want to t- touch on that for a second. Uh, and that's the, the COVID era that we are that we are kind of coming out of and, and emerging out of. Um, you mentioned the fact that you were on a job site by yourself. You were in, in Chicago, right? And we're not going to talk about, you know, who it was, but basically by yourself because, you know, uh, a lot of trades had pulled off at that point. 
different parts of, of the year in 2020. Um, different state and local uh, regulations came and went. Uh, you and I both physically live in Illinois. Uh, and each, even, even us, you know, have different regulations, uh, depending on what time of the year it was, because I'm in Southwest Illinois, you're in central. Um, but as the, the person involved in, in, in charge, right, you, you are responsible, uh, for your, your employees health. So talk about the challenges that, that this pandemic has brought and not just financial, but also from a, a health standpoint, you know, having to come up with, with, with a, a PPE plan, something like a personal protection, you know, um, uh, equipment plan for your employees to stay safe, but also to continue to work financially. So, so, you know, you, you as a company can stay, can stay in business, but also can, so they can, you know, they can, they can be supported. Yeah. So, I mean, earlier this year, you know, we had this large, large, large multi-million dollar project we were doing and we were trying to close out and, you know, everybody was shutting down. State of Illinois was shutting down. Chicago was shutting down. Um, you know, the PPP loans that they gave to small businesses were not even, I mean, they were maybe being talked about in Congress, right? But they weren't a thing yet. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of my techs did not want to go to Chicago to finish up the job. Now, even though everything was shutting down, construction and telecommunications, which is where we fall, still was still operating, was still running, yeah. right? So the job site still had a, a deadline, right? Of course, AV were the last people in there under crunch time anyway. So they weren't allowing, I mean, we were afraid they weren't going to allow us in, but they did. And they still wanted it done on time because everybody thought they were going to be opening up first of May. Everybody thought they were going to be opening up first of June, then first of July. Right. So at the early time we needed to get this project done by June 1st and um, you know, actually it was mid May at the time, but um, you know, my guys were scared to come to Chicago because of the lockdowns. And like you said, I had to take priority first. So without the PPP loan at that time, my thought process was, you know, we can still continue to pay everybody to sit home and take their CTS or do whatever if I can keep this job billable, right? So it was just one of those cases where I was like, okay. And so I moved to Chicago and lived out of a hotel and kept the job billable. Now, thankfully, um, in the process of all that, you know, my COO, Dave, uh, started dealing with all the, the, you know, the PPE stuff and all the paperwork and the monstrosity that that was back at the office and figuring all that out. Um, while I was just trying to keep this job going. And then, we, of course, we you know, were able to get a, a PPP loan at the time, which was fantastic. Um, so that helped a lot. And, um, you know, it just kind of grew from there. But developing that plan, I, you know, I don't envy Dave in any way, shape, or form when it comes to doing all that paperwork. Because even now, anything related to COVID is, is a paperwork nightmare. And I've since had to hire somebody just to deal with it. Like just, wow. just to deal with the paperwork nightmare that comes with not just the, the PPE stuff and all the COVID regulations, but now we're, we're dealing with uh, Cures grant money, right? So federal government's given grants to a lot of communities and a lot of that money is being spent with AV companies, right? Because yeah. we're the ones providing the technology and all that stuff. So there's a lot of paperwork that goes with that, right? In order to do a lot of these projects. So, um, you know, we've been fortunate enough that, that now we're, we're incredibly busy and we're, we're able to hire somebody. Uh, that can help do the paperwork that I do not want to do, and I would not be skilled at doing. So, you, you and me, either one. So, uh, as we wrap up here, you know, what take take a look and and you know, I I have gotten away from asking people what's going to happen in the industry in the next five years. That's just that that's just silly to me. Um, this year especially has has proven that. So take a look at a year, right? Take a look at a year, maybe even two years on, on the offset. Where are we looking at it at 2022, 2023? 
both from a, a financial standpoint with different markets, but also as, as the industry in general, you know, where, where are we headed as we, as we come out of 22 and go into 23? I, I think it's going to be good uh, in a nutshell. I, I mean, I really do. Um, I, I'm very optimistic about it. I, I think the, the commercial real estate landscape is what's going to change most drastically, right? People are realizing now after the pandemic, well, we don't need to spend all this money in all of these leases, right? And so we're going to see some major shifts in that kind of stuff. But for the people who still need to have an office, there's going to be a bigger focus on the technology that's required, not only internally, but for external communication. So that's going to be, I think, beneficial all around for uh, the AV industry as a whole, which, which is great. You know, um, we're going to see, uh, uh, you know, some advances in technology when it comes to not necessarily like augmented reality, but maybe, maybe down that route or those kind of things when it comes to interactive interactivity and kiosks and signage and, and, and all that, there's a lot of really good stuff going and happening there. So, you know, that's, that's where I'm starting to invest some of my time and research and, and, and seeing where, you know, how we can grow with those markets, right. And, and yeah. figuring that out because the, like we said, the everyday, you know, cookie cutter stuff is still going to be there, but not as prevalent. There's just going to be a more, more of a focus on that user experience, more of a focus on uh, reliable technology in the workspace, right? And, you know, not necessarily a lot, not necessarily every day, but reliable. Like that, that's what it's going to come down to is we want stuff that they know is just going to work. Yeah. One thing, because you, 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 you picked on something that I, I, it reminded me of a conversation you and I had, good Lord, a year ago. You and I started talking about artificial intelligence in, in AV, and again, you mentioned this at the very beginning, there is an art to AV, but there's also a science. Where do you see AI? If it doesn't fit at all in AV, is, is there too much art for, there, for AI to have a place? Or is there a place for, for the, the science part of, of AV to include the AI, but still need folks like you uh, for, the, for the art? I, I think you're going to need folks, not necessarily like me for the art, but for the people who can blend the art and the science, right? Okay. Because, you know, AI is going to have its place. AI is going to do wonders, right, for what we do. But I mean, think about it, just how we use it today, right? Um, even the littlest things that, that are automated, if you will, or uh, speech recognition or anything like that, it's, it's almost comical to some points what the result is when you ask for something or when, you know, you are produced an automatic result, right? There still has to be... Um, you know, it's not, it's not as black and white. It's not as ones and zeros, right. Is, is yeah. most of this AI stuff is going to spit it out. So I, you know, I think that, that you, if you can adopt and adapt to, um, you know, accepting this technology exists, that we're going to have it for a long time. Um, it's here for the future, right. Uh, and figure out how to, uh, in, in, you know, immerse that with, with the artistic, you know, skill that everybody has when it comes to AV uh, and blending that together, knowing how to, you know, blend that together is what's, what's going to be skillful. And then, you know, you bring in that other piece of the pie, which is what we've talked about for years, which is user experience too. Right. Yeah. So there, there's an art to that as well. Right. So you, you blend those three things together. Um, and I, I think anyone in AV will be successful. All right. Very good. Jamie Calder from IAS. Congratulations again, sir, on the uh, 2021 hall of fame for SCN. How do people get a hold of you or IAS? Uh, it's iastechnology.net uh, at Jeremy underscore Caldera on the uh, Twitter. Uh, then I got Facebook and Instagram and all that jazz too, but I don't remember what the links are for those. But uh, yeah, it's it's fantastic. 
yes, like I'm humbled by this. Uh, I really am. Um, you know, just to know that that I've got such a passion in AV and AV education and and um, you know, see, getting a recognition for that is, is like I said, very humbling. So I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you to SCN and, uh, uh, happy to be here. Absolutely. So, and, and the one thing that I will, I will say about Jeremy, uh, not only is my buddy, but he's, he's also quite young, so he's not done yet, even though he's in the hall of fame. So it'll, it'll be, uh, it'll be fun to see where he goes from here. So uh, again, Jeremy, oh, I appreciate that. Absolutely, dude. Absolutely. Uh, for us, for Aviation, go by our website, aviation.tv. That's aviation.tv. You'll find programs like this and a host of others. Um, and if you want to see me get interviewed uh, and squirm, uh, Megan Dada interviewed me uh, for this very, uh, very nice. Yeah, congratulations to you too as well. Yeah, that was but, I don't know if I could say anything on here, but oh, yeah. yeah, whatever. <laughs> So yeah, it's, it's, also, it's quite a class for the Hall of Fame. This it year, is so quite yeah. a class. Is, uh, so. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you who's at, who's at the top, but it's not me. Uh, so <laughs> go from there. Um, um, a number of folks are really great. Uh, but yeah, check that out as well They're, at their website, avnetwork.com. Uh, you can check out the, all the entire class, but also uh, as long as Mitchell gets these, gets these done in time, you'll see all of these interviews as well. So all that and more at avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. 